0: Okay, elementary folks, you guys are welcome to head out uh, the back there and downstairs this morning. Well, if you didn't uh, make it last Sunday, or if you did, uh, you'll know what I'm talking about. You can always go online and catch up on uh, where we are. But we watched uh, the first part of a video titled, Wonder. And we talked about the tension that we live in as followers of Christ because scriptures clearly tell us um, to grow up in our faith and our maturity. Um, they're not meeting today. Okay, middle school, you guys can go too. Sorry, sorry for the brief interruption. Middle school, you guys can head out as well. Um, so where was I? Let me start over again just with that, that one point. Okay. So scripture clearly tells us that on the one hand, we are supposed to grow up and mature in our faith and our character, while at the same time it tells us that we're supposed to grow younger uh, with childlike faith as well. We looked at uh, a verse in Mark chapter 10 where Jesus says, if anyone, anyone who will not receive the kingdom like a little child will never enter it, and, and we observed that in, in church most of the time, the balance seems to be tipped towards the side of that growing up and maturing. To to the point where, um, you know, we can lose a lot of this sense of our ability to experience God with a childlike wonder, which causes us potentially, in the video I talked about last week, to lose our ability to pray and to love. And so I asked you last week to consider a few questions as I sent you on your way. We talked about what is it that children have that I've lost, and so then what do I need to grow into? Um, or what do I need to recover? And it's been exciting. I've had a few conversations with my staff and some folks in my, my small group this week to see some of you guys that have taken that challenge to kind of re-engage the world like a child. Um, some folks just went on their lunch break this week and just went for a walk and just tried to be attentive to what God's doing out there and, and just maybe a little bit more attentive to creation. Um, people told me about they went on nature hikes with their kids and got a lot more messy and wet than they really were comfortable with, okay? Or maybe just paid a little bit more attention to relationships, uh, you know, holding their baby when they put him to bed at night and just enjoying that moment and just basically trying to reengage and recapture a bit of, a bit of their childlike heart. So way to go, um, those folks who did that. And um, at the end of the video last week, though, there was a very important word mentioned that's gonna kind of set the stage for our conversation here the next couple of weeks. And so we're going to go back and just replay the last couple of minutes of that video from last week um, to kind of set up the rest of our conversation this morning. So go ahead and get that started. Alright, so behold, that's, that's a word we don't hear very much, actually we heard it this morning, we sang it this morning because I told them to play it, right, we sang um, behold, we behold the, the rising sun, the falling rain, um, something else, the breaking dawn, yeah, but when was the last time you said behold other than that, probably not very often, right, you know, when, when the kids uh, clean their room, they don't say, hey, mom and dad, come in here. Behold, right? Or when mom puts dinner down on the, the table, she doesn't say, behold, meatloaf, right? It's just kind of this word we don't use. The only, only expression that I could think of was that we sometimes say, lo and behold, but not really that often, right? I don't remember the last time you said, lo and behold, Whatever, okay? So it's a rarely used word, and it's really kind of archaic language a little bit for us, okay? So here's an interesting fact for you. The word behold appears in the King James Version of the Bible, which was written in 1611, the most popular um, English translation of the Bible ever, and, and widely used and accepted for at least the first three or 300 years of its existence, In the King James Version of the Bible, the word behold is in there over 1,200 times. 1,200. Okay? Some of the more modern translations, like the NIV that you have in your pews this morning, which the the first edition of that was done in 1984, has the word behold less than 10 times. So from 1,200 times to 10. That's pretty interesting. And when I kind of started looking at some verses, I went back and looked at some King James verses that had the word behold, and then I looked at the New International Version that had, should have had that word, and I looked at what did they put there to replace it. And it was words like look, see. The problem is that those words don't even begin to scratch the surface of, of what they were trying to communicate when they, when they said the word behold, which really comes from the Greek word, which was right above that on the bottle, uh, the Greek word Idu. And so we're going to talk a little bit about what that means. So what is the meaning of the word behold? I've got a few things that just kind of start to encompass what that means. Things like be sure to see. Don't miss this. To fix the eyes upon. To see with attention. To observe with care. That's a much more rich understanding than just look, right? So let's take a peek at Scripture to see if we can get an example of where they use the word behold, and then what implications that has for us. So I'm going to show you, because you don't have the King James Version, a slide here that has King James, uh, and this is John 1, 35 through 37. This is when John the Baptist is seeing Jesus. This is the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. It says this, Again the next day after John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed him. They followed Jesus. So on the one hand, we're certainly thankful for modern translations, right? So we don't have to say, he saith all the time, okay? But with that, with the loss of that, we also lose words like, behold. Because John isn't just saying here, hey guys, look, it's Jesus. He's saying, Behold, don't miss this, fix your eyes on it, observe with care, Jesus, the Lamb of God. I mean, it's a totally different understanding. The claim was true either way, Jesus was the Lamb of God, but John wants them to behold that truth, and beholding something takes on a completely different posture, okay, And this is just one example of the the use of the word behold. As I said, it's it's in the King James Version over 1,200 times. In the four Gospels that talk about Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, it appears over 150 different times, okay? So, time and again, the biblical writers, inspired by God, wanted us to behold what was happening, to behold what was true. So, let me give you another example from Scripture where this is used, and this is from <clears throat> the scene uh, where folks go to see the empty tomb after Jesus is resurrected and he's gone. This is from Matthew chapter 28. Again, this is the, the King James version. It says this In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulchre. It's a fancy word for cave, I think. And behold, don't miss this, be sure to see this. There was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, Come, see the place where the Lord lay." And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy and did run to bring his disciples word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, don't miss this. Fix your eyes upon, observe with care. Behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail. And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Now, right there in that that passage where it says, Behold, Jesus met them, in, in the NIV it says, Suddenly Jesus met them. Which doesn't really tell the listener anything about the way they're supposed to view or experience this event, right? The the writer here is saying, listen, guys, behold, this is unbelievable, right? The guy that was in the tomb that we thought was dead is risen, he's gone, and all of a sudden now he appears and he says, here I am, like, that should make you kind of stop and think a little bit, not just suddenly there was Jesus, but behold, (laughs) fix your eyes upon this, right? Right? In the video, Evan is asked to taste the knowledge of wine. So he licks the book about winemaking, right? And he says, tastes like book. And it says that's what knowledge, apart from experience, apart from appreciation, tastes like. Blah, right? And in many ways, scripture without behold tastes kind of blah, because it loses its flavor and its weight in a lot of ways. So I was researching this word behold, and I came across this interesting blog post where this guy was um, asking the question. He's writing and he says this. He says, if you were asked to summarize the Bible in one word, what, what would that one word be? What word would best describe the whole message of the book? And so he chooses the word behold. And here's why. He says, To behold for the Christian is to look to God, to Jesus, and to the Holy Spirit to see, observe, comprehend His will and ways through His Word, the Bible. It means we have a choice, a choice to behold or not to behold. It represents a responsibility that is our part in the Christian walk. We behold the ways of God, then behold our own lives. As a result of that beholding, we seek to align ourselves more and more with that which we are beholding. Behold is a responsible word. It is a call to keep our eyes open, to make sure we are seeing and hearing clearly and accurately so we can make those decisions that will glorify God. Behold is a prophetic word. It beautifully describes someone who is focusing on pleasing their master. Why is it that there is so much spiritual blindness today? People have not taken the time to behold the truth. And the result of beholding was revelation, revelation of who Jesus was and is, and out of that comes responsibility to obey that which we have beheld. (laughs) Torturing the children again, huh? (laughs) Dang. But that's pretty rich, isn't it? He says we have a, a choice to either behold to to fix our eyes upon, to pay attention, to observe with care the, the teachings, the things that are true about God or, or we can just rush through things, pass over scripture, right? Hurry by and skim over the qualities and the claims of who God is and what it means to our life. We have a choice to either behold or to not behold. And the reason why we often rush through the word of God or become disinterested in the wonder of creation is because beholding represents a responsibility, he says. He says once we've taken time to behold the ways of God and then we behold our own lives, he says at some point we've got to begin to aligning those two things more and more. As we see the gap between who it is that God is and, and how we're living, there has to be some reconciliation there as followers of Christ, and, and that's a responsibility. We have to move beyond just mere observation of what God tells us to do to actual obedience in those ways. So consider this quote from, from Paul Wong. He wrote this article called Rediscover the Wonder and Awe in Everyday Living. He says, once we learn to see things with our spiritual eyes, or once we begin to behold, we begin to see the world anew, What is commonplace becomes sacred. What is mundane takes on new meaning and significance, and what is unattractive reveals its hidden beauty. Elizabeth Browning wrote a poem called Aurora Lee, and in it is this maybe quote you've heard before. She says, Earth's crammed with heaven, and every common bush of fire with God. But only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit around it, and pluck blackberries. What is she trying to say there? Okay. Okay. Most people don't get beyond the surface of things. Yeah. Don't go any further. What else? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we don't stop and just reverence like it says realize that we're on holy ground <laughs> all around us each and every day. The people that we interact with, you know, creation, the changes that are happening in people's lives, we just we just want more <laughs> stuff for ourselves. What else? Anything else? Yeah, Dave. Mm. Yeah, yeah, we just kind of take on the surface level just what the bush provides, right, blackberries, and he's saying that we can do that in Scripture too. We can look at Scripture and just say, what does it have for me, you know, or relationships or church services? You know, what am I going to get out of this as opposed to realizing that we're on holy ground, that that there's reverence there and awe, (laughs) Anything else? That was great. Yeah, Erin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. She said there's nothing wrong with blackberries, right? And there's a lot of good things in our life, but but it might not be some of the best things that God has for us, right? So So the question then, folks, that we're going to get to this morning is how do we behold? How do we be sure that we see and that we don't miss this? How do we fix our eyes upon, see with attention, observe with care as we go about our days, as we interact with the world, as we interact with others, as we interact with the word of God? Well, for one, I think we have to uh, adopt a posture of humility and curiosity, we have to adopt a posture of humility and curiosity. We have to recognize that we have a lot to learn. And that as we go about our days and in this world that we are in relationship and in the presence of all the time a magnificent and unbelievable God. And another thing that we have to do in relation to this reality is that beholding takes time and space. You can't really behold quickly, okay? And so we have to choose to behold, which means that, we have, that means that we have to choose to not do other things that clutter our lives, that distract us, that crowd our hearts and our minds. And it's not that God is going to punish us for not beholding, it's just that if we don't, we're going to miss out on his blessings. We're going to miss out on a depth of intimacy and a sense of awe and wonder at life in this world that God really intends for us to experience and not miss. What would happen if after church today, or maybe let's picture a sunnier day where there might be a lot of traffic, and you're standing on the corner of Belt and Frederick, you know where they still have those holiday red balls that you're wondering when they're going to take down, right? The Christmas decorations that never leave. So what if you're standing there on the corner of Belt and Frederick, and you're just looking up at the sky, not saying anything, and you just were there for hours? What, what would start to happen? It would start snowing? Is that what you said? Yeah, maybe. Maybe today it would, yeah. Per, sooner or later... Either people are gonna roll down their windows when they come to the stoplight, or people are gonna start texting one another, hey, there's this idiot standing on the corner just looking up the sky, right? And everybody's gonna start looking out the window or they might come up next to you after they get their Five Guys burger, right? And they're gonna start looking. What are you looking at, right? What is it that you see? I don't wanna miss something here, right? If this is something awesome. So, guys, the same principle applies to our spiritual journey. When we behold our God, Others are going to want to know, what is it that you're looking at? What is it that's captured your heart and your mind? I, I, want, I don't want to miss it. Did you notice when we read in, the, in that King James Version in John 1, when we read that little account there, it said that, that John was, was looking upon Jesus as He walked. And I just had this image of John standing there and seeing Jesus coming from a long way off. And this is when Jesus is right at the beginning of his ministry kind of declaring who he is and what he came to do. He hasn't really done a whole lot yet. But John knows his true identity. And he sees him from a long way off and he just stops what he's doing and he just looks upon Jesus, his Savior. And everybody else around him, because he's not talking anymore, like, well, what's he looking at? And I just picture them all just kind of watching Jesus as, they, as he approaches. Until John finally breaks the silence and he says, behold, the Lamb of God. Because you see, guys, watching leads to wonder. And wonder leads to worship. Which leads to more watching and more wonder and more worship. You get the idea. And that statement that John makes, behold the Lamb of God, is a perfect segue into communion this morning. And some of you guys might not be familiar with what that phrase means or why it was spoken about Jesus, but in the Old Testament of the Bible, the way people had their sins forgiven before Jesus is that every year they had to bring a a spotless perfect lamb to be sacrificed for their sins. It had to be perfect, okay? You couldn't bring the three-legged lamb, right? It had to be spotless. And so Jesus is coming and, and John is saying, look, the lamb of God, the perfect spotless human who is gonna once and for all take away the sins of the world. You'll never have to bring a sacrifice to the temple again. And when the Jews in that time heard him say the lamb of God, they knew exactly what he was implying, that this was the Savior that they have been waiting for. And so this morning, as you come to the table into communion, communion should be a time of beholding, of paying attention to what exactly is going on here. And we talk about what, what are we saying or, or, or implying when, when we take part in this. And I always talk to people about two things that we're really communicating. One is that, that we receive what Christ has done for us, that we acknowledge our need for him, our need for forgiveness, and we're accepting through that bread and that drink that we're, we're taking his body and his blood and what he did for us as our own, that we need it. But the second thing we're also saying is that, Lord, I want to be broken, and I want to be poured out for you. And so, you know, we open this time up to anyone, but I really want to make sure that that's your heart when you come here, that, Lord, I, I'm receiving what you've done for me, but I also want to, to be broken and poured out too. And so this morning, um, I'd love for you to just kind of behold a little bit <laughs> as you pray. We're going to give you some time of silence and, and really think about what this, what this means in our life. Behold the Lamb of God. What are the implications of that? We're going to talk more after our last song about some things we're going to do actively as a group this week to behold a little bit better as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. And God, I thank you for the richness of the language in which the scripture was written in. Sometimes in our haste to kind of make it readable, we lose the depth that's there. We lose words like behold, which imply so much more than what we often read now. And God, everything that that we've been talking about the last couple of weeks about paying attention to wonder, to having a childlike heart. You know, kids don't go around with stopwatches and and wristwatches and alarms telling them where they got to be and what next appointment they have. They lose sense of time. (laughs) And Lord, that we would have this sense of, of just space in our life that we would allow ourselves to behold some things. So God, help us to be mindful of the fact that that beholding is a choice and carries with it some responsibility, Lord, to obey the things that we've read. So just speak to us this morning as we just create some space and really focus on what it means to behold the Lamb of God this morning.